Hello, my name is Dean Bobar, and I am the Adult Life Minister at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. As a church, we are seeking to cultivate a vibrant community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world so our neighbors may also experience God's goodness. You're listening to our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. In a previous podcast, we covered 1 Kings. This podcast will give an overview of 2 Kings. This book is a conclusion to a history of Israel from Joshua through 2 Kings, from Israel's entry into the land to their exile from it. Later in the year, we'll see how the rest of the historical books will retell Israel's history from another perspective and will tell more of Israel's story as God's people. For now, let's explore 2 Kings from the perspective of God's covenant with God's people. It's a bit of a deep dive, but it's worth taking the time. Before we talk about the covenant nature of God's relationship with his people, let's cover the common story of 1 Kings and 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings picks up the story where 1 Kings left off. You might recall that in 1 Kings, the kingdom of Israel split into a northern kingdom called Israel and consisting of 10 tribes, and a southern kingdom called Judah and consisting of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. The two rulers at the time of the division, Jeroboam in the north and Rehoboam in the south, led the two kingdoms down the path of idolatry and injustice. Essentially, people's relationship with God in Israel and with one another go off course. But because of God's gracious commitment to David and his covenant with them, with the southern kingdom, the southern kingdom lasts about 150 years longer. In addition to this, God's prophets continue to be active in both kingdoms in speaking truth to power and performing miracles to further God's purposes. And there's a shift from Elijah to Elisha. Elisha continues the prophetic ministry of Elijah from 1 Kings as 2 Kings opens. So now let's take another look at these same events from the biblical perspective of covenant. The concept of covenant is important and found across both the Old and New Testaments. A covenant is basically a solemn relationship wherein two parties make promises to one another, or sometimes, according to some, at least one party does. For Joshua through 2 Kings, it is the idea of covenant from the book of Deuteronomy that, the, that provides the lens for grasping this part of Israel's history. In that book, God portrays his relationship with the Israelites in terms of a political treaty called a suzerain-vassal treaty. This was a cultural form that delineated the relationship between a more powerful king, the suzerain, and a conquered ruler, the vassal. So God is the suzerain and his people are the vassal. Are you tracking? What is the significance of this metaphor of God as king over God's people? Well, at the end of the treaty, you would find a listing of stipulations and blessings for obedience to those stipulations and curses for breaking the covenant. God set up the terms of this relationship, this covenant relationship in Exodus, see specifically Exodus 19 through 24, 
and this relationship is reaffirmed in the book of Deuteronomy. In Joshua through 2 Kings, we find the language and imagery of the covenant from Deuteronomy that helps to explain what happens in 1 and 2 Kings and throughout the whole history. The decline and exiling of the northern and southern kingdoms is understood as curses for breaking the covenant. Israel had made promises of obedience to God as their king, and now they had broken faith with the Lord. Despite God's patient faithfulness with his people, God's people did not respond with faithfulness to the covenant. It seems that one purpose in writing First and Second Kings was to address the question, why did this happen to us? Why did we end up in exile as God's people? Was God not good enough or power enough to defeat our national enemies? The answer has to do with God's people being a rebellious vassal against their sovereign, the Lord God. It seems that First and Second Kings may have been finished up during the 70-year exile of the southern kingdom because Second Kings ends with an event during that time period, namely the release of King Jehoiakim of Judah from prison. This note of hope points forward to the eventual restoration of God's people. However, it will only be with the coming of Jesus of Nazareth, God's son incarnate, that we see the restoration of the royal line of David. See, for example, Luke chapter 1, verses 31 through 33. Let us now hear how this covenant perspective comes into view in the narrator's description of the exiling of the northern kingdom by the Assyrian Empire in 722 B.C. This is in 2 Kings chapter 17, verses 5 through 13. Then the king of Assyria invaded all the land and came to Samaria, the capital of the northern kingdom. For three years he besieged it. In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. He carried the Israelites away to Assyria. He placed them in Hala on the Habor, the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes. This occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. They had worshipped other gods and walked in the customs of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel and in the customs that the kings of Israel had introduced. The people of Israel secretly did things that were not right against the Lord their God. They built for themselves high places at all their towns from watchtower to fortified city, They set up for themselves pillars and sacred poles on every high hill and under every green tree. There they made offerings on all the high places as the nations did whom the Lord carried away before them. They did wicked things, provoking the Lord to anger. They served idols of which the Lord had said to them, you shall not do this. Yet the Lord warned Israel and Judah by every prophet and every seer, saying, turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes in accordance with all the law that I commanded your your ancestors and that I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. In this passage, we hear of the importance of worshiping and obeying God alone, those commandments, those statutes, and also the ministry of the prophets to warn God's people. 
and the exiling of the southern kingdom in 586 BC by the Babylonian Empire is spoken of in similar terms later in 2 Kings. So how does knowing this covenant perspective guide us as followers of Jesus? This way of viewing our relationship with God helps us to see what it means for us to call God our king. The kingdom of God is a theme that runs through both the Old and New Testaments. It is the very focus of Jesus' ministry and message. We hear him say, repent and believe the good news that the kingdom of God has come. So in the Old Testament and in such books as 2 Kings, we get a glimpse of the kind of king God is. It enables us to see the majesty of God's sovereignty and the glory of God's patient love for us as his people. This majesty, this patience come to fruition in Jesus, God's son and our king. Thanks so much for joining us for our Year in the Bible podcast. If you'd like to hear more about our Year in the Bible campaign to subscribe or learn how you can become engaged with us as a church, please visit us at cpchb.org.